0: He's just great balls of fire. That that song was in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was walking around today and I was thinking, I was like, why am I thinking? That? I would want to add a lyric to it. I would want to be like, he's like, oh, my name is Jerry Lewis. I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. And in my head, I would finish. I'm like, I married my 13-year-old cousin. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, we don't talk about that. Anymore. Yeah, we don't talk about that enough. How
1: come he got away with it? I don't know. Yeah. Is he dead? Um Are Jerry De Lewis dead? Let was, us know in the comments.
0: I think he did die. It, yeah. Yeah. Probably good. I remember like <laughs> him passing away, actually. Um,
1: oh, man, Did he die in the Great Ball of Fire?
0: Actually, he's no, he's not dead at all.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Mandela effect, buddy. Man, he must be old now, right?
0: He didn't die. But, I yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like he's going to... He'll probably get praised when he dies, and then there'll be a, like, a lot of people are just like
1: well, wait a minute, well, yeah. You know, pushback. he did
0: marry his thirteen year old cousin and then there would be like the other people on the other side who were like, wait a minute though. I mean like you know, Great wait. Balls of Fire is they a were great second song. cousins. <laughs> they were second cousins. And it was legal it was, the it was legal in yeah. that state, you know, at the time. And it's just like dude And Great
1: Balls of Fire is a great
0: song. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, dude, all right, cool, cool, okay. How
1: did Jerry Lee Lewis outlast like all the characters in this movie? And the next movie,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's still going strong, man. Yeah, it's just like anybody who's just like a total piece of shit just somehow keeps living on and uh, mm. can't be taken down. You know, apparently. <laughs> I you know yeah. I'm not I'm not putting my opinions out there uh, on on anything yeah. here, um, <laughs> but I will say that but. I saw a woman uh, down the road for me. Um, when I was walking to work yesterday, and uh, yes, it was at the cinema. I was at the cinema. Like, you know, stop trying to say I don't work there anymore. Um, I was I was walking to work, and I'll pass by. There's this garage just down the road from me. And uh, there was a woman who, unironically, I'm pretty sure, was wearing uh, a shirt that said Amber, and then it was like a poo emoji. So Amber Turd, hashtag justice for Johnny Depp no (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like that's funny what other whatever side you are on um you know that's that's just a poor poor decision (laughs) of a shirt
1: she paid money for that she
0: paid money for that i mean i wouldn't wear that if i got that for free because it just looked really bad it was some bad design for a t-shirt
1: yeah it's gonna be one of those things in a few months you go to a charity shop and it's going to be full <laughs> of like Justice Amber, yeah. Justice for Johnny Depp t-shirts, like a yeah. whole rack full of
0: them. Just next to like all the sports uh, merchandise that like was shipped, you know, out for like a team that didn't win a big championship. So because you know they like <laughs> they'll make like the special t-shirts for the other team just in case, like you know the Super Bowl, yeah. but it would be like the wrong team. Yeah. They get and I think most of the times those get sent over to like Africa or something, or like you know, or, or like just somewhere in Asia or something, just like completely That's- out of here. And then, uh, yeah. sometimes they make their way back into thrift stores, and then it'll also be next to, uh, you know, 911. Never forget. Welcome to the Bot Charles Cinecast presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. And the breadcrumbs collector. This is your host, Jonathan Foster. And uh, I clearly don't care about anyone's opinions about anything this week uh, because I'm being an asshole to start this episode. Um, And I would like to welcome to this episode my little railroad traversing boy. How's it going, Phil?
1: Railroad boy.
0: You got railroaded this weekend? What happened?
1: No. What? Never forget. That's it. (laughs)
0: That's a t shirt waiting to happen. <laughs>
1: yeah. I got I got railroaded and mm. all I got with this cloud in the t shirt and, a t-shirt and <laughs> a turd emoji at the bottom of it. Or just a dead body. I don't know. I don't really know what that is. Yeah. I think it could you know, again it could apply to either week, you know. Yeah. Wrong side of the track, not a movie.
0: Exactly. Someone's gonna get called trash in this episode or next week's episode. Let's just So Let's, let's just, just agree.
1: Away. Yeah, let's just agree that we're all trash. <laughs> And yeah. we can just start to, you know, deal with that. Yeah, at least. But yeah, I'm okay. I feel like these kids, you know, I'm just wandering down the road to the, you know, on the slow march towards death. Ooh.
0: Yeah, I mean, holding a stick. <laughs> sometimes that's just like, you know, what life is is like, really. You know, you just, um, just sitting here thinking, like, you know, I'm getting older. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I feel like, you know, I didn't have quite the adventure that I wish I could have had, you know, when I was younger, like these kids did. And, um, and, yeah. and it's sad because I think about the future generations, which only makes me sadder that they're never going to have this sort of love and adventure with their pals um, like yeah. these kids got to have. And like we sort of had... But like you know, sure. the older
1: you. It's called the tail end of it. Yeah,
0: the, the you know the older we get, the like more kind of like strict and controlled things are, and more it feels dangerous to let kids go run wild out in the wild. Uh So I don't know. Mm. I don't know, man. It's a sad world we're living in. I
1: don't know. This film makes me think. You know, it's like very nostalgic, right? It's like, oh, you know, wasn't it ever as good as it was when you were twelve? Yeah. And then you're like. It wasn't even good then.
0: (laughs) When does it get good? when does it get good? Oh, man.
1: That's how you start an episode. It is.
0: It is. It really is. (laughs) Phil, how many minutes have you gotten?
1: It's been a couple of weeks. Um, I'm up to 15 minutes. 15?
0: All right. Okay. Okay. So we've edited a little bit more. Yeah. How, How are these extra 12 minutes looking?
1: Janky, <laughs> janky. Are you feeling? No, it's looking, are you Feeling good about it? I'm feeling good about it. I've hit my first sort of uh, roadblock with it, mm-hmm. where you know, in the haze of shooting all night for three weeks, sometimes you don't realize that things, these things, uh, you know, shut days apart are supposed to happen minutes apart. Yeah. And now I don't think it will work because people are in completely different spots than they <laughs> should be <laughs> oh, So, nice. I might have to do some rearranging and put something in between to sort of hold over the time, but no, it's, it's good. It's a bit... It's awkward still. Okay. It's a lot of like, this will be funny, <laughs> once it's like, you know, once like it's been mixed and like... You know the dialogue, like the audio track, and like that music underneath, and it's, you know, it's, not, it's just a little, a little, awkward. but it's, it's it's going as well as it can. I'm I love I love staring at screens. I'm not losing my vision.
0: <laughs> That's the uh, the early stages of that. I'm I'm sure it's just like so hard to tell. Um,
1: yeah, what is this? Yeah. What is this gonna be?
0: Mm. Just imagine, um, you know, staring at. You know a soundcloud private link uh, for the past like about, i don't know seven years and just filtering in songs every so often and then like creating new playlists out of all the songs that you know you weren't you weren't sure you were going to use and then you know then you create new songs and then they get added to that and then just seven years of like you know just kind of nothing happening
1: and then you get killed in a knife fight
0: yeah is that why I didn't never release my album? <laughs> <laughs> you had me, you had me uh, thinking about that, you know, last week when uh, you you brought up, you know, and I just started to like, you know, maybe I should, uh, you know, move some stuff around here in the new place and just uh, you know, get things situated so that, you know, should I want to, you know, try to. Crack open my guitar case and plug in into my amp and stuff and just play a little bit that maybe, you know, it could be the good time, the right time to make some progress. And then um my guitar's still in its case and I made any progress. It's seven years and a week now.
1: But, you know, it's <laughs> counting. It's all just a blur. At the time, you know. Yeah.
0: You know who is counting though. The man who directed this film. He was counting down. Jerry the- Lee Lewis. He was counting down the days, baby. Jerry Lee Lewis was counting down the days until his thirteen-year-old cousin turned eighteen. Just like Drake was counting down the days until the Millie Bobby Brown was turning eighteen. And, and just like. You know um
1: I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah uh,
0: just like the director of this movie was counting down the days for Donald Trump to uh get out of office cuz he's very politically motivated mm. Bill let's uh let's let's talk about nepotism. men 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 children of men 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 children of Phil, last week we uh were having some fun. We were talking about uh, you know, the the son of man who was uh Jason Reitman, son of Ivan son of Reitman. Man.
1: Yeah, Ivan Reitman.
0: I think we 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 started to uh piece together how we felt about the last two directors in that episode, because I think in that first episode we did we were we weren't really sure. We were just kind of throwing these ideas <laughs> out there. We it was just uh starting balling. to you know, create itself as we are going along. Um, But yeah, I, I I think we sort of got into a good place where we felt like, yeah, Sophia Coppola did a great job of like, you know, she sort of set herself, you know, apart from her father kind of doing, you know, arty films sort of the way he would do films, but like, you know, blazed her own path. She did a great job. For sure. Similarly, Jason Reitman set his own path, but sort of like went completely the opposite direction. His father was largely in like, pretty screwball comedy, like legendary stuff. But, uh, you know, he himself blazes his own trail of being more in, you know, dramas, romantic comedies, uh, other mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, indie comedy comedies and stuff. And,
1: you know, really started to... Political dramas. Political now. dramas,
0: yeah. He yeah, really started to blaze his own path as well. So it's kind of interesting. Now, this week, hmm, we've got a very interesting subject here. He is the one and only... Mr. Rob Reiner.
1: Rob Old Reiner.
0: And uh, what <laughs> film are we going to be talking about of Mr. Robert Reiner? Rob.
1: When the night heads and the lad is dark, mm. Keep going. and the moon yep. is the only mm-hmm. light we'll see.
0: Oh, No, I won't be afraid. afraid. No, I, no, I won't. won't. Shit! Be of afraid. Is it
1: that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Shit! Uh, I don't know. You might be wrong. Right. As, As you say. Stand? Stand, stand
0: by! Stand by! me. Stand
1: oh, by me. No. <laughs> in all our lives, there's a fall from innocence. A time after which we are never the same. It happened in the summer of 1959. A long time ago
0: oh man wait to hear this wait to hear this what is it man you guys want to go see a dead body when the night has come and the land is dark we interrupt to bring you an update on the search for the missing 12 year old ray brower Kid's gone they're never gonna find him not where they're looking and the moon is the only light we'll see you think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. We're gonna be famous. We're gonna be on every radio and TV show in the country. I still don't think we should go. Ray! One food for the rest of my life? That's easy. Pass. Cherry flavored pass. No question about it. And I could like go someplace where nobody knows me. We found him. We got dibs. Oh,
1: we better start running, eyeball. They got dibs. The four of us, eyeball, you just make your move. You're dead. For some. It's the last real taste of innocence. I'm never going to get out of this town now, my Gory.
0: You can do anything you want, man.
1: And the first real taste of life.
0: This is really a good time. the must. A blast.
1: But for everyone, it's the time that memories are made of.
0: So darling, darling. shocked by reading the news about the death of a dear friend, the now late 30-something writer, Gordy Lachance, played by Richard Dreyfuss, takes a trip down memory lane to Oregon in the hot summer of 1959. Yes, we uh, are going to be talking about some people in this film who aren't the best of people. Um, 12-year-old Gordy, played by Will Wheaton, and his three close friends, Chris Chambers, played by River Phoenix, Teddy Duchamp, Played by Corey Feldman and Vern Tessio played by Jerry O'Connell. Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) Fuck yeah, man. I forgot about that film. They set out on a life-changing adventure after hearing a rumor that a missing boy's dead body was discovered by Vern's older brother. With their interest sparked the four follow the train tracks in hopes of becoming heroes by finding his body before anyone else. Unfortunately... So did the local tough Ace Merrill played by Kiefer motherfucking Sutherland
1: and his Uh, gang of
0: bullies, which includes Dunn and Chris's brothers. Indeed, sometimes growing up can be hard. Nevertheless, finding real friends can be harder. It's the 1986 coming of age adventure drama written by Bruce A. Evans and Reynold Gideon based on the novella The Body. By Stephen King and directed by this week's child of man <laughs> Rob Reiner son of Carl Reiner one. who was mm. the uh, brilliant comic writer actor director who did tons of great television work back in the day he was big friends with uh Mel Brooks recently passed mm. away but it was very sweet yeah. Mel Brooks like oh my god they had such a great friendship and was just like so sad to see the tributes from Mel Brooks, but also very touching. And mm. uh, yeah, they worked together a lot on television projects. And then Reiner went on to become the director of films such as Oh God and uh, <laughs> several Steve Martin vehicles, including one of your one of my favorite films of all time, The Jerk. Then he also did Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, The Man oh, yeah. with Two Brains, and All of Me. He also directed the John Candy comedy Summer Rental, the underrated Mark Harmon comedy, which I was talking to you about a few weeks back, Summer School, and the abysmal parody sex thriller called Fatal Instinct. You can kind of (laughs) get where that's coming from. Fatal Attraction Based Instinct.
1: I got you. He went the same route as sort of Mel Brooks. Yes, very much just so. just sort of devolved into parody. Dead and loving it, yeah. you know?
0: I mean, he played God in Mel Brooks's, uh History of the World.
1: Oh, Mel yeah, War. yeah, he did.
0: Um, Rob Renner, of course, following in his father's footsteps, worked on television. He hit it big time with a role on All in the Family. He was <laughs> Yeah, known
1: as an actor first.
0: Yeah, he was acting in a few of his father's films, like he was in The Jerk. He played the truck driver. Uh, and then he really started hitting his stride when he began directing. What was his debut, you ask? None other than <laughs> This Is Spinal Tap, where he played cool. a filmmaker as well. Coming out the gate. Marty Debergie. So, fuck yes. Yeah. Uh, Rob Reiner also is known for PCC favorites, The Princess Bride, and When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. He also oh, man. has his
1: Can't get enough of those.
0: other Stephen King adaptation, Misery
1: so fucking good what a run this dude had yeah I know
0: they're all really close together as well he directed the Academy Award nominated film A Few Good Men and he also directed North which is like one of these Elijah films Elijah Wood one? yeah Elijah Wood some people oh, love I like it that some movie. people hate it it's sort of a funny one and then he did which I think is kind of an underrated 2007 comedy is The Bucket List with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman oh I've never seen very it very fun film yeah. I, I, I did happen to like it it's a sweet movie um, and yeah, what a filmography.
1: Yeah, man. And he still popped up in things. Like, yeah. he fucking still the show in Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. And uh, did he, Jordan dad?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Leo's dad in that.
1: He's so good in it, yeah. just wearing up a storm.
0: Yeah, he's great, man. He's really funny. I think, like, his films are really, like, you know, it's funny because we put this in there, and, you know, obviously I knew all these things, but, like, I didn't really think about it until I was writing these out, like, you know, last night in prep for this. And I, I was just like, dude, what a lineup of films. Like, holy That's shit. That's
1: crazy. And, what, like, you know, some people are just, like, on fire for a bit. Yeah. And he had a good, like, 10, 15 year. Dream, yeah. Just
0: yeah. That dude was playing movie. MGA, Jam, NBA Jam Tournament yeah, Edition. Yeah. He on, was hitting yeah, all okay, the shots. On fire. He's on fire. I, uh, at the buzzer. <laughs> 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 slam jam, slam jam. Yeah, dude, insane man, so good. Uh, and Phil, what a movie Stand By Me is. Hot takes out the gate.
1: Mm. Mm. I mean, what more can you say about Stand By Me? Like, I don't think I can put enough good words on it. Like, I watched it yesterday, and I don't. I hadn't seen it all the way through in a while. Obviously the classic, but I loved it so much more than I remember. Yeah. And it got to me in more ways and watching it through this prism um, of the child of man,
0: <laughs>
1: it re- like it made, it made it even better. There was stuff there that I wasn't noticing how heavy it was. Like there's a lot of daddy issues in
0: this. Yeah, movie. very much so.
1: And I, for sure. I think we're like, obviously the book, i read the book as well, mm-hmm. um, but both, sort of a very autobiographical for Stephen King
0: Yeah,
1: she's like it's a kid who's like growing up with a you know uh, sort of neglectant father at least in this case and maybe Rob Reiner using his own experience living you know in the shadow of his father putting that on it just it made it, it totally made sense to talk about this movie it's arguably his best movie anyway but like it's his most personal and it makes the most sense to talk about within the season but no fucking stand by me is the absolute classic like one of the best coming of age movies one of the best 80s movies only gets better with time
0: yeah
1: it's timeless in a way that like every i think every generation can enjoy it even though it's quite it's quite specific to a time like you were saying you know it's very much about growing up in the 50s even though it's made in the 80s because there was just that thing in the 80s where People were obsessed about the 50s, how like we're obsessed, like back to the future and fucking happy days and shit. And like now we're obsessed with the 80s and 90s and now going into 2000. So we're just constantly looking 30 years behind yeah. when life was so simple, Absolutely. you know? Um, but it never let that stuff get in the way of the darkness in the middle of it all. Yeah. Like, it's
0: yeah.
1: A, there's a tremendous amount of depth to the film. It's sad, it lets itself be sad. Um, but it's also fun and joyful. It's being a kid. It's like, it's so perfectly replicating that feeling of growing up of like, this is great, but I know this ends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that's the sad, it's like lost innocence, lost youth. And it's so perfectly done stand by me. And it's so, you know, it immortalizes the, the best child cast ever, right. The four best fucking kids you could possibly get. One in particular, who does meet a tragic end? Who, so which only makes the fucking film even sadder. But him, I mean, the film made me cry twice, <laughs> and it, it, it kind of both are kind of the same moment. One with the Chambered Kid, and the other with Gordy, but like that bit in the wood. It, it, it just, we'll get there. I don't want to yeah. just say it now, but like, no, it like really affected me more this time mm. I had in a while. Like I, I love it. It's fucking it's classic. It's yeah. near perfect film. And Rob Ryan had a couple of, I had a fucking couple of those, yeah. you know? So it's, and I'm so, so happy to be talking about it. It only had one thing that I think stops the movie dead. And I would take, take out, just rip that shit. The only thing I don't like about that movie. And it's the Lauder story. Really? Wow! Yeah, dude, I wanted that man. Like, it just doesn't play at all in that movie. Mm. That's just the only thing. I'm like, get rid of it. It's so weird. Just feels so out of place in that movie. And I think it keep the story, but just keep it to Gordy telling it. I think that would have been a better way of doing. It if you have to have, this story. Well, have to this it, the story yeah. instead of shooting it, Instead of shooting it, and if this weird little short film yeah. that kind of just, I don't know yeah that's the only thing and like every time i'm thinking i forget about it until it happens i'm like oh fuck hey it just really takes me out of the movie that's funny man that's apart from that apart from that yeah great (laughs) how about you well dude you
0: you said a word um that i don't like throwing around here uh too lightly and i've only said about a few films and that is perfect um perfect i there's not a
1: cut out of place a performance yeah. out of place a, a shirt a song cue out of place yeah. in this movie you know it's, what i mean
0: this movie is what I, and I what i said to julia is like one of the closest films you can get to just pure vibes like putting it on <laughs> it's just like yes you that, that by me vibe. you just feel great watching it right like it just you want to you you be there you wanna be a part of that or you get flooded with memories of like little fun adventures you had with your friends when you were a kid. I mean I Yeah, just even
1: the kind of joke yeah. that you make, like taking the piss out of each other's mouth. Absolutely. Mom, yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. That so yeah, dead yeah. On. yeah.
0: Like I grew up in Yo Mama like like territory. <laughs> like the fact that like Wilder Rama like made a uh TV show or, or well, show. hosted a TV show on MTV called Yo Mama a good like Ten years, maybe, or like you know, I don't know, maybe maybe yeah. five or six years, um, after yo mama jokes were really like, like a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like is no, it's late. Like absolutely yeah. hilarious. I was a kid who luckily got to have a lot of adventure. Um, I didn't live in a in a big city but i lived in a decent sized city that had its elements of like you know you could escape to the woods and stuff and just go run around the woods and um you know i i had a park down the road from my house uh that was like a sort of neighborhood park and we my friends and i would always meet there and we'd go like explore in the woods we'd find like there was a burnt down house in there there was like a burnt like a burnt up car you know we would go like run around and just get lost in these woods and stuff and find like we found like a a lake with a boat on it and stuff that we stole one time. And then a rainstorm happened <laughs> while we were on the boat and we all like, just, you know, book it to the, to the banks. And, oh man, that's next yeah, week. We jump out and we like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, make out? seriously, we made out. Yeah. Uh, we all just start laughing for, for no reason spontaneously. No. Um, but yeah, it was just like these crazy, like adventures and my friends and I would have, and like, I was flooded with these memories watching this film. I would say like, uh, with this film, there's some dated sort of, like, language that gets thrown around, but it's, like, you know, it's that sort of young kids in, yeah. in 19, like a film <laughs> from 1986 era, yeah. uh, based on a time period of the 50s. So, of course, there's going to be some, like, dated language.
1: Yeah, kids are fucking stupid yeah. they say they, they awful, offensive yeah, shit. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, There's no, you know, there's no excusing that sort of, you know, language, but it is, like, of no. a time. So, it's, like, I let that shit slide. Um, like, you know, just slight homophobia sort of stuff gets thrown around. But like, yeah. what film in that area do you not get shit like that from? Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. it's like, uh, it's, it's 85 minutes, man. And so much <laughs> oh, happens. It
1: in. flies yeah. by. Yeah.
0: like you have incredible characters, character development, like a really gripping story some twists and turns adventure like laughs like uh goofy goofiness uh you have you know like thrills you have
1: thrill like fuck yeah
0: just train. proper like scary characters as well you have like you know just the total embodiment of childhood and like you know just love and you know, um, friendship and just like all that like wrapped up in this story, like and so much more. Mm. Like you said, great music, nothing feels out of place. It's just and nothing like like you said, nothing like stands in the way of the story. It's like you were not watching no. this thinking, oh, this is like, you know, hey, remember that song from the fifties? Like the way I I hate throwing it out there, but like Stranger Things.
1: <laughs> I didn't say it, folks. Stranger folk to wish yes, it was anyone near there by
0: me. Exactly. A hundred percent. Like I don't even hate Stranger Things, like, really. Like, I've watched all of this series. Mm. I've just finished the latest one, and there's like some fun stuff in it. There's some cool new characters and stuff. But the thing is, they have like 10 million characters. And the best Stranger Things ever was, was like in its first season when it was very stripped down and there's a few kids. And it's like this, and it just wishes it could like tell this kind of story. And Mm. I mean, what? Like, it's like 10, one hour episodes you know or or how how many ever episodes that they they have to do this can accomplish so much more in 85 minutes and leave you like just like floored by it you could like go through a roar, roaring amount of emotions you know what i mean like it's, it's yeah it's in such
1: a short span of yeah. time like it's so and good. it's just a relief because yeah. yeah we've gone the other way as well with just a long off movie being and i like long movie mm. but this you get in, you get out, and you know you don't feel shortchanged, and it's so satisfying. And everybody gets a sort of everybody gets an arc, but like even the film, like no, that's the difference between like the the book is more general; it's about all the kids sort of equally, and the film sort of focuses on Gordy and Chris, and Chris to a certain extent. I think that helps the film a lot. Yeah, it gives it a driving force and just what a fucking sad story that is and even like that it you you get just enough to complete you get like a couple flashbacks and like you know you get it mm-hmm. like then the kids are selling it and it's so it i don't want to say on the note but like it that it's a it's a movie about the death of childhood yeah and it's about a group of kids literally looking for a dead kid yeah it's like it shouldn't work like it should be so like over the top and literal but like it totally worked and feels so natural. feels like something you would do when you were 12. Yeah. And, like, it's yeah, yeah. weird cause it's a movie that makes me nostalgic for a time I didn't have, or a life I never had. Mm. I didn't have this guy. I grew up in the city, and there, were, there was no fucking running around the woods, nor did I really have that many friends <laughs> growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more like as a teenager, and we'd go drinking in the park. And that's when we sort of started getting into weird misadventures. Yeah. Um, but – you know, it it does remind me of the kind of kid I knew and the kind of stupid jokes we would make and mm. just that feel it's a feeling. And that's the hardest thing. I think all the other details could change, but it nails that feeling
0: Absolutely. of
1: being young, but also being old and looking back. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's getting better at night. Now I'm in the middle. Mm. You know, I'm not fucking Richard Dreyfuss, but I'm not fucking Will Wheaton either. Yeah. I'm sort of in the middle right now. Yeah. And I can really appreciate both. You're in
0: that period of like, you know, because he is a writer and the whole idea Mm -hmm. of him is that he is like a, you know, like he will become like the way Stephen King became, like a successful writer and stuff. And you're Mm -hmm. in that period where you're creating that work. So the thing about the novella is that there is a story. I've not read it, but like I was reading about it. But there is the body. There is a part in the body where they're talking about Gordy's. first book that like basically got him to a point where he became a successful author and it follows a lot of like Gordy's life of being a a child whose brother had passed away and his father not, um, showing him, you know, appreciation or affection or love or anything. And it's just like Mm. feeling distance from that. And yeah, I know there's some stuff with like a stepmother and all that as well, like some weird (laughs) shit, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny that that's like, Anchored in there because it just shows that progression of the character, which uh, we didn't get in this film, but like we see the bookends of it, you know, like with he is a author who's looking back on the time, and I think like what's really interesting about this and one of the striking uh, parts that I never like, I never really like focused on before until this time watching it because I've seen this film a million times and it's one of those films. It. like it's funny the the films that i throw around as being perfect or the uh saying the word perfect to are the kinds of films that like i literally can just like put on anytime it's on i'll just <laughs> stick it on like i like you know no mm. no bother because i know it like you know the back of my hand like i i remember every little scene comfortable and watching it was really fun because julia's i think it only seen it maybe twice now and uh so, so yeah she didn't have that familiarity with it so like for me like i was like i knew every bit that was about to come up and I was just like so excited for different scenes mm-hmm. including the scene that you've uh said that you don't like i actually do like it but i'll get oh. into it a little bit more in a bit but it's interesting because like plans to adapt this film went back as far as 1983 with like The producer and co-screenwriter Bruce A. Evans. He was inspired after reading Stephen King's novella. He sent it to Reynold Gideon's wife. So he and Reynold Gideon, I guess, were like partners in writing and screenwriting and stuff and producing. And uh, they both loved the novella. And uh, Reynold Gideon and he and Reynold Gideon basically got together to try to, you know, bring this story to the big screen. And Stephen King's terms to sell the film rights were a hundred thousand dollars. Which that amount wasn't seen as a problem. Um, but then he also wanted 10% gross profits, which was considered oh, extremely excessive, especially at that time. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Evans and his co writer, Reynold Gideon, pursued Adrian Lynn to direct the film. And Adrian Lynn had just done Flashdance and was currently working <laughs> on Nine and a Half Weeks. Bruce A. Evans' original idea was to adapt the story as true as possible to the novella, even naming the film The Body. Uh, but Columbia mm. Studios hated the name, with yeah. the other screenwriter, Reynold Gideon, uh, commenting that it sounded either like an adult film, a, body- <laughs> a bodybuilding film, or uh, another Stephen King horror movie. And yeah, just, it, like, doesn't,
1: it doesn't, doesn't work. work.
0: Yeah. It works for me much it. It work. works for the novella and also for the fact that it's perfect. It was a part novella. of a collection of stories, and that book also yeah. included like the Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank. So, That's like, how
1: I read it, yeah. yeah which is Re- which would Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank yeah, Rita redemption. Rita Hayworth
0: and Shawshank. Yeah, dude, what? <sighs> At Pupil was also in that book as well, I believe. Um so yeah, yeah. fucking hell. Like, I mean I think one day you could easily just have like a whole season dedicated to Stephen King adaptations because Jesus Christ, he's had yeah. so many. I want It's insane.
1: I want to know what he s- thought of this. Well, I think he liked it, but I don't. I don't. Can, you probably have it to because that, I know he's not, like notorious. I know he'd like wasn't big on the Shining, yeah. which is probably one of the biggest, which is insane. Most adaptations yeah. of it work. He hates the yeah, Shining. Um, and that's
0: insane. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: So no, I don't know if he's like an Alan Moore kind of guy where he just sort of hates every fucking yeah. adaptation of his work. And you probably are prone to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately for Adrian Lynn, uh, we'll get to the Stephen King thing at the end. Um, but unfortunately for Adrian Lynn, uh, he was exhausted after shooting nine and a half weeks and he needed a vacation. So. Next, they tapped Rob Reiner to direct, and Reiner was like pretty new at the time. Obviously, like had just like done a Spinal Tap and stuff, so like this was pretty early days for Rob Reiner. And uh, they were they were willing to like you know he had a he had a name, his father had a name, so they were just willing to to go for it. And uh, Rob Reiner said that in the book it was about the four boys, which you kind of mentioned. It's about each of them. And Mm. then once I made Gordy the central focus of the piece, then it made sense to me. This movie was about was all about a kid who didn't feel good about himself and whose father didn't love him. And through the experience of going to find the dead body and his friendship with these boys, he began to feel empowered and went on to become a very successful writer. He basically became Stephen King.
1: So Rob Reiner knew that. Perfect. That dude, he understood. Yeah. He came in, he understood the fucking assignment.
0: He also knew that uh, the body was a bad name and he decided to go with the film... <laughs> Uh, he decided to name the film Stand By Me based on the classic Benny King song, which uh, features in the film, which we'll get to some of the music a little bit later. Oh, yeah, please. Um yeah. Casting. Producers interviewed 70 boys out of 300 who <laughs> <to> auditions. <laughs> now, I don't know what went on at these interviews. Um, I don't want to even... I mean, I, no, I'm not going to make that joke. Don't cause wanna think? I don't want to think about that, dude. There's <laughs> some like... Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. It's kind of sad with these, especially like some of these characters and stuff. Um, if you really want a good watch, like Alex Winter did this great film called Showbiz Kids uh, very recently. Yeah. Uh, awesome score, by the way, with Jeff Tweedy's music in it from Wilco. Um, it's it's incredible. I talked about it on the episode um, with him, the, the live show. So if anyone was there or they happened to listen to that episode, you probably remember us bringing it up. It's incredible. It's really good. And it features uh, Will Wheaton in it, who talks about, you know, his his life, you know, growing up off the back of this film. And then you also get the fact that like Alex Winter in that episode, that live show happened to talk a little bit about the the two Corey's. So Corey Feldman being one of them. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, like, you know, this film catapulted these kids to like just superstardom really. And the eighties really Mm. had an insane power to it. Like, like kind of no none other. I mean, like the eighties and then I guess you could say the nineties as well. I feel like it still happens, but I feel like the internet really like every day there's always someone new. There's always something new. There's always a, the next big pop star. And it's, it's that's 24. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cycle. Really yeah. Like
1: Shit doesn't pop door. and like make connection like it did yeah. back then, because you just had limited Sure, You had the people on TV and that's who you fucking attached yourself to. Absolutely. It became
0: icon. I, I mean, to be honest, the like, you know, bringing up stranger things again, but the last like thing to really feel like it had that sort of, Thing where stars were made from a television show or movie, sure, or the Stranger man. Things yeah. kids. And the fact that Stranger yeah. Things, um, you know, helped Netflix become such a huge power that, like, everyone had to have a streaming service that now there's millions of stream- <laughs> streaming platforms. And the fact that, like, Netflix decides, hey, let's release everything for binge-watching purposes, um, it's out of the consciousness now. And, like, you know, mm. the fact that, like, they do that, like it's, it's over. And you just think about these shows, like, you know, Disney's kind of playing a bit smart doing a weekly release on some of these new shows. Yeah. Like because better call Saul is being, you know, aired on uh, television in America. And then it comes over here to the UK and Netflix weekly. So like with that show, it gets released weekly. So it's stayed in the consciousness and you can see people constantly talking about it, you know, for weeks on end Mm. stranger things. Like now that, they, they, like, they kind of helped, like, invent the, you know, the bingeable television series, um, in, in terms of modern series getting created that people are binge watching, um, and that's sort of Netflix's you know, like you know, whole deal. The whole deal. <laughs> they they yeah, they yeah. shot their load, and now it's like it's over. Like no one's talking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's and that's kind of a, a shame. And like, you know, with the the way modern culture is. I think that sort of, you know, style of releasing shows and stuff is going to, I think it's going to be hard to kind of create like really memorable stars. I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not the best uh, way to release things sometimes and like drop it all and people talking about it for a week and then they move on and it's, but I mean, strange things sort of stuck around. I think the only real test of anything time right like it's 30 years later we're still talking about By
0: Me. yeah
1: so it'll be the same thing if 20 years we're still talking about Stranger things it won't matter
0: yeah
1: uh how when uh, it came to be but i mean it's obviously still doing well they're really trying to i think they're trying to like milk as much as yeah, they can absolutely. out of that show before the kids get to, i mean the kids have already sort of grown up way too old. but they, they're way too old yeah. and like the whole enjoyment out of that show would, like. The standby Me thing, yeah. which was like, or well, the Goonies thing, yeah. like the bunch of kids running around getting to misadventure. I, I imagine they'll reboot it at some point or they'll do like a modern version. Yeah. Like doing, you could even New do cast. like an It New thing, Avengers. right? Where you just do it 30 years later and the kid fucking or 10 years later and all the kids have grown up they have kids and their kids deal with the same shit that yeah they yeah with yeah the kid. you could just you know it could just go around and around and round. or they can just do it um, next year
0: and just harry potter it and it's like you know put yeah really just age them up makeup on <laughs> i love it
1: yeah yeah but that's the closest sort of uh thing in terms of, especially with like kids' stardom like yeah. 80s and 90s were like you had macaulay culkin and yeah. Tickory, you had loads of kids and like now it's it's not like that. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because Post like Jake Lloyd and, you know, people like Natalie Portman. And I mean, it did happen with Millie Bobby Brown, like with girls, they're fucking sexualized from a young age. And it's just horrible the way they're treated, they're aged up and, you know, they're presented a certain way that isn't, I don't think it's, you know, right for a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, and or they're fucking in the wrong thing or they you know they're in Star Wars and they get fucking horribly you know abused by people on the internet yes for, and know, that can be an g- adult
0: person thing. in Star Wars these days that can so.
1: be an adult person because you fucking you have the wrong you know skin color yeah. or, or you're the wrong gender and it's fucking bullshit yeah, these um fans. and and so like kid you know that documentary is helpful in, continuing that conversation which is sort of being kept out of the limelight it's like thing that we just know happened in hollywood that kids are abused and taken advantage of and obviously it just happened in whenever fucking rich people are around yes but it's you know it's like i remember mean, something alex Winter said about it was just like it just never changes him i forget who he spoke to he spoke to like an old child star from like the 40s and 50s yeah. and how her experience was exactly like his experience, was exactly like that experience. It just hasn't changed in a hundred years.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and that just makes this movie a bit sad. It's like watching The Crow, right? Where like the story behind it just informs so much of how you watch that movie. Yeah. And Stand By Me have There's that. so much going on And here. not, you know, in, in bad and good ways.
0: Yeah, there's so much going on here because like characters like Will, like, you know, or like people like Will Wheaton, like, Oh my god! What an incredible role, like incredible performance.
1: Oh, he's incredible. He's in this so movie. good yeah. in
0: this, and it really watching the Alex Winter documentary. It's kind of it's kind of crazy because he really blew up, and they were trying to find the next like big vehicle for him afterwards, and he got put in this really bad horror movie. What the trick? Um, oh no! I can't no. even remember what it was I called. What the Star Trek? Oh what? no, no, that was pre like this pre Star Trek. Later. Yeah, like. This yeah. was still in the 80s they were trying to find the next like thing for him and uh he got mm. I don't know like it's just some bad decisions you know getting made from agents or parents or something I think he had a relatively decent family like family life and stuff so I think mm. he was protected in that sort of nature but like he gets put in this really bad movie and um yeah it just kind of it didn't hit right and then I think it kind of soured him or soured people on him and you know, and then Mm -hmm. he gets cast in star Trek and it's funny because it like very much mirrors the way like people are treating some of these young actors and stuff who, or, or, you know, they could be adults, but like, you know, people of color and and all that who end up in these star Wars movies as of late or star Mm -hmm. star Wars television shows. And they just get treated horribly. Um, or just even Jake Lloyd. Yeah. it's, It's called back on Phantom Menace. Um, just getting treated like terribly, for no real reason, like, you know, like just because people are just really horrible and he got treated terribly <laughs> by the Star Trek fans. And then it's kind of like actually kind of nice to see that like of all the things that uh could turn people into really appreciating Will Wheaton is is funny that it's one of the worst television shows ever. <laughs> but uh um, <laughs> yeah, he was he was basically uh what what is the name of that stupid show? Um the Geek Show, uh, Big Bang Big, Theory. Big Bang Theory. Sorry, I can't even remember the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it's it's. But that really helped cement
1: him at like King uh, of the Nerds. I, yeah, yeah an icon. King of the Nerds, man. Yeah.
0: Which is great because I think that helped turn him around on like fandom and stuff because I think he. He was really soured on it. And it's a shame because he's incredible at such a young age. The
1: curse. The curse in the horror film. The curse.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it looked really bad. i would not seen it, surprisingly, because I've seen a lot of these like really bad 80s horror films. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, Will Wheaton said that Rob Reiner found four young boys who were the characters we played. I was awkward and nerdy and shy and uncomfortable in my skin and sensitive. And River was cool and smart and passionate and even... At that age, kind of like a father figure to some of us, Jerry was one of the funniest people I'd have ever seen in my life, either before <laughs> or since. And oh,
1: boss, man, <laughs> totally pop.
0: And Corey was unbelievably angry and in an incredible amount of pain, and had a terrible relationship with his parents. Uh, Corey Feldman recalls, "Man, too real." Uh, how you know his home life translated on, into his own screen character? He says, "Most kids." <laughs> Sorry, I had to do the Corey Feldman. Yeah. But, most kids aren't thinking they're going to get hit by their parents because they're not doing well enough in school, which will prevent them from getting a work permit, which will prevent them from being an actor. Jerry (laughs) O'Connell, who played Vern, uh, said that he was basically Vern that summer. He just stayed in that character and he was just trying to say the dumbest things possible. Uh, (laughs) Ethan Hawke apparently auditioned for Chris Chambers and River Phoenix originally actually went out for the role of Gordy, but River Phoenix ended up, you know, ended up with the role of chris fucking river phoenix man like uh, as i mentioned uh what what um will wheaton had said that he was like a father figure it's it's incredible he really is in this film it's like he is like a father figure. How, how did that
1: how did that kid do it? that fucking river phoenix is like revelation man yeah. and like again you're looking back and you're like you're thinking about what this kid could have done he did so much good work in a short time yeah um but like damn I mean fuck he's incredible in this movie he's he's playing a partner a best friend a brother a father and he's fucking 12 yeah you know like it's just it's insane I think it might be the best performance from a kid that age I've ever seen it's just it's so beyond his you. yeah it's so well thought out and well portrayed and like just everything, like, everything is just so subtle and sad, and they both do it, like, those two especially. But the way you described it there, they all are exactly those yeah. characters. Like, Chris is passionate and paternal and caring, um, but it's also just dealt a shit hand yeah. just by having a, a bad name. And, like, that's so... Palpable.
0: Yeah, that scene is incredible in, in as well. That, yeah, the, we're the talking about milk the milk money. money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, dude, Rob Reiner had to basically make them cry a few times to kind of get these best performances out of them as well. And I think that was uh mm-hmm. one of the scenes where he basically told River Phoenix to uh, think about a time where an adult really let him down and use that emotion to like draw out and, you know, for this scene. And when he did it, he said that, like, river phoenix basically just like began weeping and like you know like you know they filmed the scene and they got that that take and everything but then he said afterwards he like had to go up and just give him a hug and stuff because like river phoenix was just like couldn't stop crying and stuff and i mean we've talked about it a little bit with oh, like man. the master episode i believe because we start getting into the weird cults and all that and you know the Phoenix yeah. definitely grew up in a weird sort of situation with a really weird religious cult down in south america mm-hmm. and ended up you know bringing their kids to the states and uh you know ended up yeah like they they would become you know actors child stars and stuff and mm-hmm. it, you know the the life got the best of river phoenix at a young age and it's mm-hmm. fucking sad like just terribly mm-hmm. sad because he's so good in this it, at such a young age and then he's done so many other incredible films and uh yeah, it's just insane to think about how much more he could have done. Like it's incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, his brother kind of, I think had the career that he would have probably would have had, or I know people put that on Leo a lot, but like that he would maybe sort of could have been that as well. Like sort of the next teen heartthrob. Absolutely. Um, Came up
0: in that same sort of period, maybe just slightly older, but yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So much to give, but so much he left.
0: Yeah absolutely uh I think the powerful thing about this film is like the in the way that he got them to basically one he cast he cast the right kids and he he got them to be as close mm-hmm. to the characters as possible and then he like, Rob Reiner put them together in a hotel in Oregon for two weeks and they just played games from Viola Spoolin's Spoolin's, uh, Improvisation for the theater, which was this, uh, Rob Reiner called the Bible of theater games and they would build camaraderie there. So he would play the games with them, the boys would play together, they would have writers and stuff come in and they all just played these games and Will Wheaton basically said that, like, you know, you saw the four of us being comrades. That was real. That wasn't acting. Like they became really good friends here and all that. Yeah, and the last like Richard Dreyfus, I mean, <laughs> um, he's ca- Your favorite
1: actor, yeah. Richard Dreyfus.
0: Man, I I do really like fame. I do really like Richard <laughs> Dreyfus, and it kind of like is one of those actors It's kind of it's kind of heartbreaking a bit to see like that there was the Me Too um stuff coming out against him mm-hmm. for sexual harassment and stuff so i'll leave it there but i mean you know he's a great actor in the films that i yeah. fucking love but it is there and it's a stink you know and it's hard to make mm. those things go it's there away. in the movie um
1: yeah yeah for sure at least he's not again you know the, this movie is similar to next week movie especially in its frame and its structure mm-hmm. it's less annoying here yes it's like it literally just bookended with Richard Drive. It did a few spots of voiceover, yep. but never overplayed. It's a good a voice too. Like, it's solid. and
0: part of the yeah. Like, so but, before he played uh, Gordy, before he was tapped to play the adult Gordy and the narrator, the part almost went to David Dukes, who's another actor who's been around for a while. Like, um, I don't know. It's like in like Rawhide, Rex, and like <laughs> like some just different films and stuff. I don't know. It Just. Sure. Sort of more of a bit actor. Um, he basically, I think, did great, but it was just the fact that he didn't have the right voice for it. And Michael mm. McKeon was considered. Um, so that would have been, <laughs> been interesting. Yeah. I think that could have worked.
1: But you would have just seen fucking David St. Hubbins. <laughs> like David St. Hubbard. Yeah. That's all I would have seen. Yeah,
0: I mean, but he's got a great voice. At that point, and I think it could have worked for sure. But uh, Rob Reiner decided to turn to his former high school friend, Richard Dreyfus. So yeah they went to school together and yeah um okay well phil high eating contest Ugh. snack time <laughs> the changes have come So Phil, I mean, you said you weren't really into this scene, the pie eating contest. To be honest, No. Neither was Don't like to, Neither was Rob Reiner to you know, to to begin with. He was, Why did he they was do that? actually a bit of he- <laughs> um it features in the novella. It is a part of the the story in the book. Um yeah. so Rob Reiner thought that if Gordy was supposed to become this great writer, that he wouldn't be writing a barf story. Um, because like I said, he's already attributed to the fact that he thinks that he saw Gordy is basically Stephen King. You know, he would grow up to become this great Mm -hmm. writer. Um, And he basically said it's in the same category as a fart story. Uh, So he didn't think it would would be a thing. But then uh, eventually he made peace with the idea. And I guess there was some pressures that, oh, we got to have this scene. It's going to be fun. And he decided to do the scene. And that's why they decided to play it out very cartoonish and just to be like really silly because they wanted it to sound like this brilliant story that a kid would tell at the age of 12 and the fact that like all the kids, the way they react to it and stuff is uh, like, it is a P- Pulitzer prize winner or something. Like it's like the greatest yeah. thing um, to be honest. I fucking love this scene. I think it's hilarious. I've always thought it was funny. It's just silly. It's so stupid, but it's like, it's really silly. Um, yeah. it, I I think the comical amount of barf is really funny. And I think they like really went insane with it. So for my, Snack this week. I am pulling out all the stops with a heavy hitter of a snack. Oh! I was recently near Hampstead Heath. I found a shop that was selling American stuff, and I had to grab this thing. And then I happened to have some extra, and I was just like, "Dude, I've totally got to use this for this week." It is a a pop tart, but (laughs) the fact that I went to this American store and got it because it is, as you can see, blue. It is blueberry. Pop tarts. Oh, yours, I got you. My favorite pop tart flavor. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever done blueberry pop tarts before, but
1: no, not here.
0: Okay, we're just we're not toasting these bad boys. You're gonna eat it cold. Yeah, they are good that way. Gonna... It's a little toaster pastry, but they are good that way. To be honest, though, the the best versions of these are the store brand versions. at Like you know, Walmart or Food Line. There's like a you know, they all kind of taste the same, but they're somehow slightly better. And pop-tart brand anyway all right it's uh go for it like a bite oh god tier, man god tier snack god tier. i love a pop-tart especially a blueberry pop-tart cherry nice. is really good as well mm.
1: yeah i feel like you've had pop-tart before but with, like the regular yeah it might have been tr- chocolate whichever you, you can only get chocolate something. here really yeah. yeah how many um try to have a good one uh, how many... I mean, this, this movie had mad walk-hard vibes. So how many uh, the wrong kid died? It? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's got to be five the wrong kids died. Five? Yeah.
1: Oh, man. That's good.
0: In my opinion, I love a, I love a good Pop-Tart, especially a good one. Blueberry. Mm.
1: Nothing quite tastes like a Pop-Tart. Mm. It's a bit you know, it's like the just completely artificial and great yeah you know yeah. I, like what is it and if i it eat you
0: know if i eat some or drink some castor oil later you know i might just be barfing blueberries all over <laughs> the place
1: so that bit is so weird <laughs> it's like that bit in matilda as well i don't like that either where the oh, cake
0: again i just don't like either. i think i'll maybe yeah maybe it's just you you're turned off by the eating i don't I, know I, I really yeah like my
1: palate that. is weird like i feel like i do have faith for that kind of humor i'm no stranger to toilet humor if you've read my script, you know that. Um, but yeah, for some reason though, that shit doesn't work on me, and it just feels like it, it's not like a movie bereft of it. There's plenty of silliness in it, but I get it. I'll roll with you
0: on it. I think I like the fact that it is. It does feel separate the way they did shoot it. Like you, you said like it's just this like weird little mini movie in there because it's like in the middle it's of just them, shot I mean, like yeah. and it, it's it's just told really silly. Everything about it is silly. The fact that this kid is supposed to be their age, but he's clearly a lot older and he's just like in this ridiculous yeah. fat suit to make him look even bigger. And then just the like how yeah. how like I think what I like about it is that Gordy clearly has problems where he's getting like picked on and stuff and or he doesn't feel confident. And it's a very mm-hmm. like it, it's very telling because it's about a the kid who's like really fat and the way he gets picked on is, is really harsh and everybody's against him just like the bada boom bada boom bada boom bada boom and then the whole hey lord it's like you know just people shouting stuff like
1: then they start cheering him
0: it's just like it's just ridiculous i
1: love i do love the bit after where they're just asking questions Mm. like again treating it like really seriously like you know teddy doesn't like the ending and Vern's like (laughs) did he pay to get into the (laughs)
0: No, oh, okay, that's great. <laughs> uh, they yeah, just let him in, absolutely. Oh, that's a great so story, Gordy. So funny. All right, sorry, what, what, okay. what's your snack? What do you have? You, you went
1: all out, and don't be mad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> don't be mad. <laughs> I went a little light this week, but I thought it was appropriate. You know, I just completely ignored this theme. But you know, there's a bit where they're all hanging out in a junkyard, and Gordy go to get provision, yep, and he meets you know a really annoying, really mean fucking guy behind the counter yeah. and just remind him that his brother's dead um, but you know he gets a bunch of hamburger meat that's not why I went for I don't <laughs> eat meat and I don't I didn't want to get a bunch of corn mint either yeah. um, but he, what he does get and what every kid knows it's the fucking just best way to have it in a glass bottle, bottle of Coca Cola, of Coca-Cola. I was
0: so close to getting one of those. To be honest, amazing. When
1: I saw it, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I'm getting that. Could any? We just started getting these at the cinema yeah. as well. Fucking perfect. Yeah, like this is the way to drink Coke out of a glass bottle, or in you know a cup, a glass of ice with like lemon in it or yeah. something. But this, that just I don't know why it's so much better. Yeah, it's just. For some reason, this tastes better coming out of a glass bottle—the way the good Lloyd intended,
0: yes—and
1: the way I guess you could only get it back in the day.
0: Yeah, and you would call it pop, probably, depending on where you're at. Yeah. It's a colloquial term, but soda, pop. soda, soda, pop, a Coke. Like everything could be Coke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> everything the Coke,
0: even orange soda. Nice. That was yeah. a good sound. The there. Smoke coming off yeah. of that. Yeah. To be honest, that's a great. That's a really great, uh, a great snack because.
1: You. Snack time? Not really. No. Yeah,
0: but you know, you, you did you did some work there. That's good, man. This glass bottle, you know, it tastes good, and you know, it's relevant. I had to look it's for relevant it. Relevant to the film? Yes.
1: It's relevant. Yeah. I'm I'm learning. Progress.
0: <laughs> All right. So, how many? I mean, you know, this is the easy one. How many dead bodies are you ah.
1: getting? <laughs> man, it could be. It could be five gotta for five. A glass five. bottle.
0: Fucking it's ten. Time. It could be
1: Boy, ten. Ten. Perfect the perfect ten, ten. just like the movie. Yeah. Maybe nine and a half. Entire Get diligence. rid of that blueberry scene.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, there's another fun scene. The the leech scene. <laughs> um,
1: that shit, This shit is still traumatizing yeah,
0: for very me. Very scary. Like, as a
1: kid, because it's the scary thing in the world. Like, that shot of him pulling out a leech from his underwear and his hand covered in blood is one of the most upsetting things you could show a child. Yeah, it's very or a child scary. child to go yeah. through. It's like, what the fuck? You know, fuck? it totally worked. Yeah. It, it's perfectly writing that line, yeah. and it's just the kind of weird thing that would happen to you as a kid. Yeah, that you would you wouldn't tell. The whole thing is funny too. About. It's
0: just the whole like oh like oh it's only like you know this deep we could easily just walk across you know and then it's just like, Vroom. boom fall right in. It's like a total kid yeah. mistake as well. Like you know you you just aren't even thinking. Oh maybe I should put like the stick a little bit further and see. It's great. It's so funny. And then uh, apparently that that was like a man made pond. Because they were, you know, shooting out in the woods and stuff, and they they uh, got to that scene six weeks after they had built this pond, and it had just been s- sitting there like covered, and apparently the bugs and worms and raccoons all got in there, so it did actually. You know, oh man, get pretty. It just turned into a gross little pond. Yeah. yeah. Uh But something that's been rumored throughout the history of this film is that the leeches were real. Uh They were not. Will Wheaton had said that they they couldn't they have been. Were, uh, just really good props, but uh, it's funny.
1: They look great. I thought you were going to be like long, you know, hidden secret. This film—if you look in the background of that scene, you can see a Munchkin hanging, <laughs> hanging. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should put that in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> They—did you notice the shadow <laughs> behind her?
0: <laughs> they purposely hid the body of Ray Brower from the kids as well. Like they wanted them to feel like when they got to that scene. It, it, mm. They would be really unsettled and they just wanted to get the most honest reaction. So they never showed any of the boys the uh, the body uh, that they mm. built. I don't think
1: they should have showed up the body. Like, I always remember not seeing the body and watching it this time you'd clearly see they show the face mm. and everything. Yeah, and I, mean, don't don't I don't remember
0: the face. I don't remember the face at all. I always thought it was just like I think it, just the outline of a body the, leg. like the legs yeah. or something. Yeah. I, th-
1: I still think that would have been better because again, them selling it, it better yeah. and then the, the older kids showing of them. And the fact, that I think they the show
0: it a couple of times and I think that's worse. Even if you're going to show it, just show have... it once maybe because it's a bit, it's a bit morbid yeah. looking and it does look kind of real. Um He's got a very yeah. uh Billy the kid vibe about his face, which is kind of funny. You know, that famous For photo sure. of Billy the kid. That's what he like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um like. But yeah, it's funny because this, this scene, like obviously, or the, this, the idea of this story is in that scene in particular, it's been, um parodied a lot or or seeing you guys want to see a dead body yeah i mean you you get it they
1: do it and don't be a menace
0: you get it well and don't be a menace is doing it because they did it in boys in the hood so yeah um which is like again one of my favorite films i love boys in the hood really really good film um and it obviously was riffing off of this uh but yeah just a lot more a a different take on it you know without the the Mm -hmm. privilege of being like a white kid that just (laughs) go running off in the in the middle of the woods to find a dead body like these kids like were unfortunately just that's their life life. surrounded by death yeah in the streets every day and yeah it's it's really sad and grim but yeah that scene or just this film in general i i mean i was thinking about it as well when i was uh when I was watching the film, I was telling Julia, I was like, "Yeah, there's this great moment in Pokemon, like the original Gen One Pokemon game, like Red and Blue or or mm. Yellow, where Yellow, if yeah, you go downstairs. Oh, the Yellow Boy. You go downstairs. You're at your your house at the beginning of the game, and you go downstairs, and your yeah. mom's there. You go, your mom like basically right at the beginning is sort of like talking about how you're ready to go off on your journey. And if you go
1: to yeah, the, go keep yeah, up. Yeah, if
0: you go to the television that's there, and you watch the TV. This it says something like you know the there's a film on about four boys walking on a railroad track. Um yeah, Now, yeah, now yeah. it's time for you to start your adventure too. And it's just like it's clearly stand by me, like it.
1: It's very. Nice. <laughs> Go find your dead body, Ash Ketchum, <laughs> <laughs> Into the Pikachu to help. It's just you. like
0: this twelve-year-old boy, just going off like on his own to like find his father, who's clearly dead, who's
1: <laughs> <laughs> clearly doesn't yeah. love him anymore. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, another scene I think that they uh, had to make the boys cry for was uh, dodging the train. Um.
1: <laughs> oh, shit, man. That dodging the train scene is still really incredible. Yeah. And it's done, re- like, a shot, like, really well, mm. like, in a very smart way. It's only, like, they, they only have to use that weird compositing shot. A couple times yeah. just to tell the fact that they're on the same chat, yeah. but then the rest are just closed up and reactions
0: yeah. and running it's done so and well it, yeah like they're it's running done so it's really man and like they're crying no, I've seen
1: it a hundred times yeah. I've seen it a hundred times and every time I am like
0: that whole scene <sighs> in general I'm holding my breath even before the the train comes when Vern like drops the cone and he like goes to grab it and like oh, they just show his face you don't even have any hair <laughs> <laughs> they show his face through the trestles and it's just like yeah. it's they do that a lot, these like like looking into the camera almost sort of shots and they're oh, really good.
1: When he's dropping on his brother, yeah. that's a great shot yeah, yeah. as well,
0: under the porch. Like, Rob Render did a great job with the way this film looks, it looks incredible. Um, I think he the kids weren't taking that scene serious enough and he uh, basically yelled at them and like basically it was just like, you're ruining my movie. And that got them to basically just take it serious. And they were crying and stuff, I think because they were really upset that Rob Reiner was upset them. Cause they obviously oh. had all like created this really good relationship with each other and with Rob Reiner. And, and they, they didn't were, want to let like, each other yeah. down. Yeah. So they were crying and that was like, just was real. Like, you know, and, uh, basically how they accomplish the rest of the shot. Cause there's obviously there is the shot where you see from like, you know, the wide shot of the train and there's people running on the track. That's I think a couple of women stunt performers like that are smaller. That yeah. You can engines. tell. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a great shot. Great scene. It's like, I remember playing in front of train tracks as well. Cause that's one thing you can do in America. You can't do that here. You can't fucking get on track. No, um, people do, but that runs the whole, like ruins everybody's day. But like in America, like, especially in my hometown, um, you could just go walk on the railroad tracks. I used to walk the railroad tracks all the time. And my friends and I would just do stupid shit, like train dodging and dancing in front of trains that were moving really slow. I got like a cup mm. of ice thrown at me once by a conductor. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that, don't, don't do really? it, but it's funny. Like it's funny. No, that's funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So wrapping up here, the boys, you know, of course we've talked about a little bit, you know, it's, it's, uh, and just the fact that we, you know, people know a lot about, um, people like Corey Feldman and, uh, the, the kid, you know, that, that generation of child stars and stuff, uh, you know, getting into Mm -hmm. a little bit of trouble. So, I've got a couple of things that happened while they were making this film that are kind of interesting. Uh, All right. So apparently the kids got in trouble because at one point they had placed all their furniture from one of their hotel rooms or maybe multiple hotel rooms um, into the swimming pool. And they just like pushed it down into the pool, like just underwater. And not, like, floating there. They, like, (laughs) literally just, like, sunk these pieces of furniture.
1: Drowned them. And
0: uh, Will Wheaton said that the funny thing was it was just, like, they arranged it to make it look like it was supposed to be there, but it was just underwater. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Um, This is a bit sadder. Corey Feldman, basically, just kind of knowing what you know about his life and then River Mm -hmm. Phoenix as well. He said that he uh, hanging out with River Phoenix was, like, had him experience his first night to a nightclub um his first kiss with a girl which yeah whatever but you know obviously that would lead into some other things he shot his first music video uh with river phoenix because i guess river phoenix was doing some music and stuff and then it was also the first time he did drugs so that would lead into obviously some pretty i don't know frantic party (laughs) him and the him and the other Corey the two Corys as they in films together, just getting into all sorts of mm-hmm. mischief. Um, then, of course, speaking of trucks, one of the funniest stories I came across. So Kiefer Sutherland told a story on Jimmy Kimmel. It was a bit of a long rumored story that he actually, uh, he, he did say was actually true, was that uh, Jerry O'Connell once tied up his babysitter and snuck off the set to a local fair to buy cookies.
1: No way. Ah, oh, so, he just burn all over, isn't he?
0: He t- literally tied this babysitter up to some, like, I think, like, I don't know, like a stair stairs or something. I don't know, like, just in the, the bars of the stairs. I yeah. don't know how. Fucking
1: radiator. And he just, like, he... <laughs> handcuffed her to a radiator. <laughs>
0: yeah. He runs off to this fair to buy some cookies, apparently. And it turned out that this fair was... They're shooting an organ here, and it was a hippie fair. And the cookies were
1: oh, okay. laced with drugs. <laughs> Marijuana. Um, they
0: would eventually find Jerry O'Connell in the parking lot, stoned out of his mind, and crying because he was lost. And they had to shut down <laughs> shooting for like two days.
1: <laughs> While he recovered.
0: Uh, That's hilarious. funny, man. Oh, shit. Speaking of Keith R. Sutherland, I, of I feel like we haven't talked about him enough because the kids mention- are so strong. But, dude, Kiefer Sutherland great so fucking awesome in this film. He's cool as shit. He so looks perfect. amazing. He's scary. He's terrifying. He's cool. like a badass
1: in um, an age of fucking white t-shirts, blue jeans. He wore all black, all black, and it looked cool as shit <laughs> Yeah, with the fucking toothpick. He's Arsenal. He's scary. Mm. He's great. When is this this is pre fucking Lost Boy, right?
0: One year before.
1: Yeah. Hmm. No, man. He's keeps and it's so good. I'm just trying to see his trajectory there but it's it's on that same vein like the sort of cool charming but like terrifying very zone.
0: scary i mean he's, like at the
1: he's end man like i feel like he could he the, i believe he would
0: stab those yeah, at the. Absolutely. End. yeah absolutely like
1: no no hesitation yeah.
0: and the fact that this is like this is you know this is this isn't the end of this like you know you you know it's like oh, god what is he gonna do and you never really like obviously nothing really
1: well they don't take credit yeah so that's the idea i think that's them thing that's the only reason they would have really come after. yeah yeah it, that if you're not taking the credit away from us but if nobody got credit
0: yeah
1: and it, they just find the body i think that's the idea true. But yeah i'm surprised it doesn't come up
0: yeah if it, it and, doesn't you know, feel like an empty fucking pick them off yeah. one by one it doesn't feel like an empty threat because
1: yeah. that happened in the that happened in the book not that doesn't happen in the book but like they all die in the book. Yeah. <laughs> apart, apart of, obviously, apart from Gordy, yeah. but in the movie, I mean, sorry, spoiler yes. if you want to read the book, but the movie changes it to just,
0: just Chris at yeah. the end,
1: which makes it, I think, far more impactful, especially the fucking trend, the fucking fade. Mm. It's just like, come on, man. It's so, so upsetting. But it's just in the book, and it's all quite incidental. I think one died in a fire and the other in like a car accident, yeah. or something like that. Um, but it's just like, oh, my friend is gone. Yeah. Um, but I think it's better in a way to be like we just grew apart.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that, and I meant to say that earlier. Um, and I think we got to talking, and I like kind of lost that train of thought. But like, I was going to say one of the most striking things about this film, and I never really remembered it, is the fact that like the way the kids break apart. It's like, yeah, they have, their they shared together. this amazing. Like adventure, and when they mm. they end up, you know, going off to school and stuff, and like the whole thing with Gordy and Chris having this big like you know, come to Jesus moment, <laughs> where <laughs> where Chris basically is telling him, "Don't be a fool. You don't let us drag you down. You go." It's Good Will Hunting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We did the Good Will Hunting yeah. thing. Uh-huh. You you go and you like, you know, take those classes and you like, you know, become a writer. You're going to be a great writer. And, you know, we're just going to drag you down. And it's it's like it's fun. It's a fun thought that like, you know, he and Chris stayed friends and they went to school together and Chris ended up becoming a lawyer and like he was successful. And then they mm. branched apart as adults do. But like because, you know, you have some of your friends that you might they have made it, you know, been friends with throughout school. And then you might still be very good friends with them but you haven't seen them in years but like you know if you were to Mm -hmm. see them it'd be like you know seeing a brother or something you know and i think that's like a special sort of relationship those two have but the fact that you have this special relationship with Vern and and uh teddy but like the fact Mm -hmm. that they drifted apart and they weren't friends anymore and that's so realistic as well like there's so many friends you probably had like amazing moments with and you probably thought you'd be friends forever and then you just aren't friends at all and you have no idea what they're doing no because so. you're
1: a kid you have yeah. no idea Bad <laughs> movie yeah but then fucking at the end damn by me
0: kicked me yeah
1: I driving playing with this kid and it's just like oh man it just all wrapped what up. a song perfectly there's some other good songs Best in
0: song. here as well every day by Buddy Holly Buddy Holly is one of my favorite of all you times. gotta have
1: Buddy Holly that's yeah. a that's a nice little um, reference to what like in the movie you can tell that it's brother sh- no, shout out John Cusack. Yes, he's John Cusack. Absolutely yes brilliant awesome. and only in a absolutely. couple scenes, yeah. but he's great he's great and it's like and he sells so much with his face like that theme when they're having dinner and like parents just talking about football fucking match or game um and he's like, you, read you know he just like Gordy wrote a story did you read <laughs> yeah. the story and he's like i thought it was really good yeah it's just so sweet yeah. it's just like i can relate to that so sweet. um but when they go and he goes into a room and you gets to, to get a canteen filled with buddy holly yeah i saw that yeah brother yeah his brother the fan so no, it's nice to throw in from
0: yeah buddy holly and then, i saw that as well and it's kind of actually sad too because that was like I think I guess this was like in. Who 59? also died young? Yeah, and he would have died that <laughs> year maybe, and just yeah. Yeah, very sad. the Music died. Oh uh, yeah. Um, you also have Lollipop by the Cordettes, which is a very fun scene. Lollipop, it's yeah. another Lollipop. Yeah, it's scene just when I just remember. It yeah, together. the whole, <laughs> like, you know, Ba-dum-dum. so good. Uh, Yak by the coasters, let the good time roll.
1: Which just reminds me of Arnie
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, uh,
1: yeah. Fucking twin, he think that. Gity-yak. Don't talk back. Yuckety-yuck. Yuck.
0: That was a that was a song that was coming up in the eighties and nineties a lot, man. Um, at, I, I guess like the, the like you were saying, the fifties the whole 30 year thing, looking back on thirty years, cause like you know, the films of the eighties and the nineties really had a um like let's relive the classics, you know, of the fifties, classic rock and <laughs> sure, roll. Sure, man. It's real, yeah, man. It's
1: funny. You tap into it, yeah. it's real.
0: And now we're, you know, but in Kate Bush songs.
1: <laughs> yeah, and everybody dressed in like the early 2000s. Yeah. That's funny.
0: Uh, the film was released in August of 1986. It grossed over $52 million on an $8 million budget. Critically, it was adored Ooh. with a lot of praise for River Phoenix and Will Wheaton. But there were some funny reviews of it as well with people like Walter Goodman, which sounds like you know Walter from Big Lebowski and John Goodman. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A made-up name. Um, from the New York Times, he said that Rob Reiner's direction hammers every obvious element in an obvious script. He did not like the film at all. Oh, tried to, fuck you. It's kind of silly. Um, but Phil, it is one of Stephen King's adaptations that he actually does like.
1: OK, good. OK.
0: He apparently was moved to tears. And he said it, it was uh, true to the book and, and very moving. And Rob Reiner said that Stephen King had to, he, he basically had a private screening for him and he was really intimidated. Stephen King <sighs> said that he thinks yeah. he scared Rob Reiner. Um, <laughs> and after the film, Stephen King had to you know, leave for 15 minutes to compose himself. And he returned and gave Rob Reiner a big hug and said, that's the best film ever made out of anything I've written, which isn't saying much, but you really capture my story. <laughs> It's autobiographical. Wow, you had to
1: reel it back in, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just no, Stephen that's King in a nutshell, That's up. beautiful. Like, he hates yeah. every film.
1: <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <It's crazy>. Except Stand <laughs> By Me. How do you, so, do you hate, hate Misery? Misery is fucking thick.
0: I'm not sure of his opinion on Misery, but I do love Misery. Yeah.
1: The Shining, yeah. apparently, is very different from the book, and I understand yeah. that. But she could... Obviously, he's prone to, like, putting a lot of his personal touches into the story. And, like... Clearly, The Shining is about dude dealing with alcoholism hmm. um, and maybe the, the sort of lacking in the film. But, like, I think that's there just in a different way. Yeah. And I know you didn't like Jack Nicholson thing. No, we're just talking about The Shining now. I'd I, I like the film. I think the film is But I get it it's different. But I think yeah. it's just the focus of the two pieces are different. Like, damn, I mean the body. It's very Despite all the different then, very much true to the spirit of it.
0: Yeah. I think there's room one day to revisit a lot more Stephen King adaptations. I know we've talked about The Shining before in the past, for sure. And, but I mean, there's I want to watch that
1: car one. Oh what yeah, the, yeah.
0: Maximum Overdrive Christine? Or, or Christine, Christine. Yeah, Maximum Overdrive. Is car. Hilarious as well. Killer truck.
1: That the other uh, one he directed.
0: Yeah. Um, oh cool. But there's, one day. Like, I mean, God, dude. Like you know, there's the Green Mile. There's Shawshank. Like it's just an insane amount of films that uh, that adapted from books that he's written obviously there's it yeah. as well and pet cemetery like there's so many and they're like varying degrees of good and bad and <laughs> ugly and like tremendous <laughs> and it's like it'd be fun to like dive into because there's obviously like the film's like franchise uh which i think would be cool i like? think it'd
1: be good for franchise
0: yeah really would yeah like a just a different take on franchise um there's there's obviously their film's like uh Shawshank, where I hold to a very high regard, but also I think there's room for the discussion of people who think that's like kind of overrated or something. Which, um well,
1: know, according to IMDb, it's the yeah. greatest movie ever made. So.
0: Exactly, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. <laughs> so, but there will be that's the only who, reason there will that be there is backlash, though. Yeah, there will yeah. be people who say otherwise, and I think I, you know, I don't have to put my opinion out there. I don't have to because one day maybe it will come out in an episode. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah, this film, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Adaptive Screenplay or whatever bullshit they called it back in the day based on another subject or something. It was a really horrible name. <laughs> and it was nominated for two Golden Globes for Best Drama and also for uh, Best Director. Uh, eventually, Rob Reiner would name his production company Castle Rock after the name of the town in the book and the film, so... Obviously, it was Stephen King's stories. Everything's based in Maine, so it was Castle Rock, Maine, in the in the book. Mm. Um, but in the film, everything was set in Oregon, and they actually did shoot in Brownsville, Oregon, uh, in and around it. And there, they have an annual Stand by Me Day, which includes, what's to Phil's chagrin, a pie eating contest. No, of course. <laughs> I'll
1: just skip that bit.
0: <laughs> I go home when the pie eating contest <laughs> starts. Well, Phil, I will be looking at uh, Rob Runner as I stuff my face with my last bite of uh, blueberry <laughs> popcorn.
1: <laughs> um, pretty good.
0: Is our boy. He's a damn good director. He, he's living
1: up in a way, in a completely, I don't know, in a different. Totally different. I think and he's a totally, I, I guess similarly to Jason Reitman, but like, I don't know if Carl Reiner would ever. Yeah,
0: he was never. You know,
1: obviously, it considered one of the greatest like comedians and writers
0: yeah.
1: of like American media, but like, you know, as a filmmaker, probably isn't, you know, as, as
0: held well up regarded, in that.
1: As well regarded. So I think he's completely laid the new. Yeah. with the same name It's
0: and past. and he
1: touched on the same thing like he'd done good comedy but mm-hmm. that's not his whole thing and he's done good drama but that's not his whole thing yeah. he's kind of an ev every
0: you know man, kind of yeah.
1: jack of all trades yeah, every man and but that i don't know if carl reiner ever had a run like fucking rob reiner did in the 80s yeah you know what i mean
0: yeah i think he's a very good case of someone who definitely like stepped out of his father's Uh, I mean, not even... It wasn't a large shadow, but, like, you know, he really took his his name and just, like, probably did his dad really proud, you know, and just had an incredible career. And I love that they Mm. worked together. Like, he, you know, they they would be... Like, you know, Rob Reiner would be in his films, and he would appear in some of Rob Reiner's films, or they, you know, obviously had a really loving relationship, and that's great. You know, Mm. like, there was never... Uh, any of these animosity. stories or animosity or anything about like oh dude, you know there was nothing it's like they have a great relationship and that's awesome and uh, good to see and mm. yeah like fuck more people need to talk about Rob Reiner's career I think <laughs> I I mean I don't know yeah, man I'm not saying that they don't but I feel like he his name kind of will get forgotten sometimes when it comes to the I, other can, I think because there's so
1: many other names around him but like yeah. he and the linchpin, i think he did like stand by me the great film and people would be like it doesn't a Stephen king book Stephen king movie river phoenix the river phoenix movie but like that guy is such a short direction he's grounding the whole thing that's yeah. like if that doesn't work that's not working same with like when harry mcnally it's like it's a fucking brilliant screenplay from Noah Ephron. it's like but he's there too he's putting it yeah. together and um princess bride is william goldman and it, William Goldman.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: but he knows. but like, you've he got knows, you know
0: he knows what he wants.
1: Yeah, you got Mandy Petinka, You got like the film no *Under the Giant*. Like that film yeah. had the life of its own beyond *The final Tap*. Probably not even really considered a Reiner film. More yeah, because you got Chris *The yeah. First of Many*. Um, but yeah, they're they're just like a, a run there that kind of fucking untouchable. I mean, like, just think yeah.
0: about like what Rob Reiner probably brought to Spinal Tap just having like you know even though it was his first film but he was a child of you know a filmmaker and lived in you know show business and knew like how to make movies and like you know he goes to make
1: and that's all they needed yeah they yeah. just
0: needed someone to help them get off the ground and Spinal Tap like you know would help, probably help establish Christopher Guest uh, well obviously he definitely established established Christopher Guest and Michael McKeon and all of them to, like, be able Carry to short, yeah. create more of these wild and wacky, you know, stories and then go on to, like, hey, I can direct this myself, you know, and uh, yeah, dude, he, I just, yeah, it's like he doesn't get that credit. It's funny. He really doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying, like, his name doesn't have any weight, but it just feels like it doesn't have as much weight as it maybe should. And it's kind of It's a, that
1: thing a, of, crazy. like... It's just, I think I mentioned last time with Ivan Reitman it's like there's it an age where we didn't really talk about like studio directors really being treated in the same like with the same respect as like maybe independent art house directors like but you know if you look at some of these people's filmography they definitely had a voice and a style and a skill yeah. and I think they're worth talking about you can't just dismiss or like not hold them up with other filmmakers at the time um, it's not like maybe it's still a carryover from like you know there were a lot of directors for hire yep. back then it wasn't you know most directors you wouldn't remember the name unless you're paying attention um, and they wouldn't have like you wouldn't get Rob Reiner fucking yeah. Bride, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you'd yeah. get John Carpenter Halloween yeah, or whatever
0: absolutely. Escape
1: from New York so it's like it's that and maybe it's just the kind of thing because it wasn't you didn't really stick with the genre or anything, he didn't really that's the most interesting thing I think about Rob Ryan is that all his films are different. At least the one I've seen.
0: Yeah.
1: It, like Stand by Me, it's quite it's close to Prince Bride, but that one very kid friendly and very like full of wonder it pushes itself further into that aspect of it. And when Harry McNally it's all romance and, you know, misery it's all darkness. Yeah. You know, they're just and, you know, Spinal type is all comedy and you can just do all of it quite well.
0: Yeah, and he still just kept doing it like even past like, you know, I guess his like run was really through like the early 90s. North was maybe a turning point, but he did the American President, which is like a ro- romantic comedy with like Michael. I think it's Michael Douglas and Annette uh, uh, Benning and Michael Douglas mm. plays like the president and Annette Benning falls in love with him. I remember my mother absolutely loved that movie. I she would watch. She would watch that like all the time, kind of like stand by me for me. You know what I mean? Like it was just like she loved that movie, so I had to watch it quite a few times. Um, but like you know, he would start to do quite a quite a lot of like uh, I don't know, like romantic comedies into the early two thousands and stuff, and that was kind of his shtick sch- for a while. Um, like rumor has it, and, uh, all that. <laughs> so it's just like you know, kind of a weird mix of films that's why i really like the bucket list because i felt like he kind of came back and did like this buddy adventure comedy you know about two people who are like about to die and they have a they create a bucket list and they're kind of like an odd couple um who are put together to you know just go and fulfill a list of just lifelong aspirations and stuff and I, it's a fun story and like it has this mm-hmm. sort of like the complete opposite end of uh, stand by me it's nowhere near as good but i think it's definitely worth watch. <laughs> um, so it's an interesting career you know like a very interesting career mm-hmm. from rob Reiner. i mean he's dipped back into political stuff in years past you know so
1: yeah i don't know let's we'll see maybe he got Maybe got a big uh, last one in it, man. Maybe yeah. got like a Megalopolis or whatever. <laughs> <in it>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That'd be hilarious. What if he just created like the next big fucking gangster movie or something? You
1: know, and everybody's like, oh shit.
0: <laughs> like, where did this come from? Yeah. Or maybe this he, just, can still he hang. just creates like the biggest and best uh, rom-com of all time. You know, this last shot or something. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. yeah, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this week here. For Nepotism, I thought this would be the longest children one. Children of Men. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it was longest because like uh, it's it's one of my faves, and I feel like it was going to be easier to kind of riff on this and kind of show some love for it. Um, like we've done When Harry Met Sally, and mm-hmm. The Princess Bride is, it's a funny one because uh, we could find room for that in future ideas and stuff of things that Phil and I have thrown out like to each other behind the scenes um, it could fit in some other territories but also I have to kind of admit that like I never grew up with like sadly it's funny because I love Red Savage and I, I watched a lot of stuff with him in it like Monsters and Water Years and stuff when I was a kid with it? yeah like uh with, with The Princess Bride you know like I don't know what it was. It's it's funny because I grew up watching a lot of those films with people like Fred Savage, and you would think this in films like uh, Princess Bride and stuff. And I was a big wrestling fan and all that. But like I I, I mm. don't know. It was one of these films I didn't watch as a kid. I somehow missed me. So no,
1: I'm with you. I watched it yeah, later. It wasn't until I was it. working at the cinema. I watched it later, and I don't have. I don't really have. Yeah, I think me too. Um, but I don't have. Um, I, I like it enough, yeah. but I don't have a strong of a connection yeah. to it. it's
0: weird. and I d- Mostly
1: it could have enjoyed a John. Yeah, 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 <laughs> seriously. And
0: I, I like Kira Yules as well. I think it's just a weird, weird one that somehow passed me. And I don't really know how, but just um, how that happens sometimes. <laughs> so that's yeah. another reason why I didn't want to go with that one for Rob Reiner because he has some hits, but... Um, Misery I love, but I feel like this is just a stronger tell and I feel like it... I think this
1: is just more like I was saying at the beginning, more appropriate with the whole child of man nepotism daddy issue thing. Absolutely. Totally, works. totally, totally. It's all there. It's all into the in the in the film. Do you think it's he right had a waiting.
0: he had a problem with his, his daddy that we just didn't know about or is it just just coincidental? <laughs>
1: Uh, um I think it I think he could relate to some of the issues. Maybe yeah. it wasn't like my daddy fucking hate me. Yeah. you know, as much as it was for Gordy and Stephen King, yeah. but like he probably had, you know, a guy coming up in film and TV with a famous film and TV dad. He probably had you know growing pain there yeah. for sure. Daddy
0: might have missed some baseball yeah. games or, or you know you know what I mean?
1: Daddy wasn't there, not to power.
0: Daddy wasn't there. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, next week on Nepotism: Children of Men. Um, I like that it's just <laughs> become nepotism now, which is a great name. Uh,
1: yeah, and it's not a lesson to fathers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Throwback. Um,
0: it yeah, it's it's uh we we're not telling you what it is. Uh, you're just gonna have to guess. You, so guess. you gotta guess. We've actually given you some clues in this episode, so. Uh, we, if yeah, you, a lot if actually you, I
1: pretty much gave it away I
0: feel like you need to know like, Just go digging around uh, We can say that it is uh, a, a movie child, uh, It's a movie directed by a child Of a famous director Just like all the other films have been And it may or may not Have been adapted from A book much like this film was Adapted
1: from not bad. a book Also, Kiefer Sutherland so, Son of Donald Sutherland. Absolutely. Bang. Bang. Nepotism. Bang. Nepotism. Bang. Right in there. Bang. Right in there. Shout out, man. <laughs> Bang. Just get, get right in there. Get right in there with the nepotism.
0: Phil, what, what you got going on? Where, where can people find you?
1: Um, You know, I'm at Far Away Sned in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm sitting on the floor and I'm staring at screens all day. Or I'm at work. Also staring at screens. So that's me.
0: Great! Don't be afraid. Where, where can, I know it took you a long time. To, to what? To go outside? Well, no, to get past three minutes. So now you're fifteen. So don't be afraid of it. You can do it. I feel like I feel like I'm it. gonna be
1: at fifteen for a while.
0: I feel like you can do it, man. You can. You could do this. Um, you know. For, okay. You know, I mean, I wouldn't I take advice that. from. Me. I appreciate. It. I need to hear don't it. Don't take advice yeah. from me because apparently I haven't. No. I haven't. You know, accomplished much. Um, you know, I maybe I'll go. Um, sit and stare at my, you know, SoundCloud project and look at the songs again that have been sitting there for the last year that I've compiled, um, or or a year and a half. I'm not sure. It's been a while. Um, might have been 2020 when I really started that, and uh, they're just they've been sitting there. They'll they'll keep sitting there.
1: You know, man, it's never too late.
0: Yes. Uh, you can find me at tall for all T-A-L-L, the number 4-A-L-L, on Twitter and Instagram. And collectively with the podcast, you can find at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can pop us an email at podcastatprincedarlescinema.com. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, say hi. And uh, yeah, if you want to support the podcast, it's patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. You can support us at any level and you can get these ac- access to these episodes a whole two days early or you want to be special, you want to get some bonus episodes into your system if you haven't had enough of us. Um, there's a lot in the Patreon backlog and also you can expect maybe once a month us to pop in with a new episode, a little bonus creature for you to enjoy and that's for $5 mm. or more a month or £4, whatever. And you know as we've been saying course, <laughs> the cool. last few <laughs> weeks, buy a Freak Cage. <laughs> freak Do it. Yeah,
1: I still don't have the freak in a cage
0: yeah. and, uh, domain, and
1: I'm frustrated. I
0: feel like we need that. You
1: know? Now more than ever.
0: Yeah. Alright guys, um, next week, I think it's <laughs> going to be let us know. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, think it, uh, I think it's I think it's going to be mintery. <laughs> in all senses of the word.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you're about right there. They wouldn't do the same director twice in a row, would they?
1: Well, do we have to tune in next week?
0: We certainly would be lazy enough.
1: (laughs) It would be. Yeah. Same (laughs) fat time, same fat channel.
0: Till then. um, I don't know. Just hang on. (laughs) This podcast is presented by the breadcrumbs collective home of the pod Charles Cinecast, caged in Coppola connections